Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Barris Sage Institute colleague, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, we are talking with the subscription attorney, Matthew Kerbis. Hey, Ed, how's it going? Going great, Ron. Fantastic. You're at the mothership. I am at the mothership today. It's pretty exciting. I am live at the Voice America studios here in arizona and we're live on the instagram as well over i'm pointing to this camera nobody can see me but it's you know uh we're, <laughs> but we're ha- having a good time here and uh yes uh, but, but uh i was my, my son was pitching at another baseball tournament out here he did well like i was able to drive over here and then i go go, go get him after the show so there you go oh awesome well that's great well i'm really excited to be able to talk with matthew today matthew founded subscription attorney llc in 2022 a modern law firm offering legal advice starting at 1999 per month to help provide affordable access to legal advice for small business owners freelancers and everyday people his legal services include general legal advice contracts real estate simple estate plans demand letters and negotiating disputes to avoid court you can learn more about Matthew at subscriptionattorney.com. He launched the podcast Law Subscribe to help the rest of the legal profession make the same choice. I binge listen to every episode of Law Subscribe. It is fantastic. I've been on it. That episode dropped today. Matthew, welcome to the Soul of Enterprise. It, it is my honor. I am so pleased to be here and, and very strange to hear that opening music live because i'm used to listening it to it at two times speed now that i've been a listener for several months and it's like it was in slow motion but still happy to be here oh, that's great well listen before we jump into the subscription model is a hot dog a sandwich no i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll put that off we'll put that off um tell us about your background and i'm always curious why did you choose the profession of law yeah i um i had no idea what i wanted to do uh, when I went to college, but I really loved philosophy and I took a philosophy class in high school that used to be like a college credit type course because it was taught by a college professor. Of course, when I took it, that professor had retired and I learned it from somebody else. Nevertheless, I loved it. And it was based on the same material as what that college professor used to teach to the high school. But what could you do as a philosophy major where you can't open a philosophy store and sell philosophies? Now, this was before content creator was a job. And so like it actually lends itself quite well to use of generative AI and creating content and strategizing. But um, but I didn't know I didn't think you can major in that, except that you study logic in order to get the major in college. And I went to Indiana University. I'm a Hoosier. And I was it was sold to me as you study logic, you do well on the LSAT, you could go to law school. So I said, hey, that that sounds good. And I, I did always want to help people. And as a lawyer, I you know, my naive self at the time was like, well, lawyers, all lawyers help people. Uh, so that was really what set me on the path. That's awesome. And so once you got your law degree, what did you do? Did you go into a big law firm? Were you a general counsel somewhere? What was your path? Uh, well, I, uh, 
my first year of law school is like, in fact, your first semester really sets the tone for the future of your career as an attorney. And uh, a lot rides on it. And I grew up playing a lot of video games and like, I'm really into like sci-fi movies and, and all that sort of stuff. But my first semester of law school, I said, you know what? No TV, no video games, all studying all the time. I'm going to work really hard at, at getting really good grades. And I was always a pretty good student. Well, uh, it's graded on a curve and even, and everyone's a great student in law school. And so it, after I got my first grades, I was like, okay, I'm going to need to network. And so I became really good at networking and I went to over 60 events my first year of law school to try to meet lawyers, meet people, judicial professionals, which led to a judicial externship at the Illinois Appellate Court during my second year of law school. That made me stand out from all of my peers, which landed me at my first job at a very small law firm. It was just growing from a solo attorney into a three attorney firm. And uh, he was appealing a lot of foreclosure defense cases. We were keeping a roof over people's heads and it was sort of at the end of the subprime mortgage crisis that we were doing that, that was in 2014. And they wanted lawyers with appellate experience, but they also didn't want to have to pay them very much. So they hired a brand new attorney who used to uh, extern for a, a uh, an appellate judge. And so I got my feet wet um, doing, uh, learning really just the rules of civil procedure and appellate law and how to file appeals and preserve the record for appeals. And uh, interestingly, we charged a flat amount every month that we kept them in their homes. Of course, I didn't really know, I didn't think about the business model back then, but like I came to learn that that was how we charged our clients, which is sort of similar to what I'm doing today. And what year was, what years was, was that? So I graduated in 2014 uh, from law school and I started working for this firm uh, even before the bar results came out. And then um, I worked there for about a year and a half and learned foreclosure defense so well that I was actually hired on more than doubled my salary to go head up the foreclosure defense practice at a firm where the owner of the firm had did a lot of real estate law and bankruptcy. And so foreclosure was tied up in that, but he was out of his league when it came to foreclosure defense. And I, that was all I did day in, day out for over a year and a half. And so I like as a second year attorney was heading up a whole foreclosure defense practice of a growing foreclosure defense practice at a firm. So then that was like late 2015, maybe early 2016, if memory serves. Um, and then that transit, I transitioned into more like transactional practice there because they did real estate closings and then, um, pivoted into a, an insurance defense firm because after a couple of years mm -hmm. of that firm, because I needed to pay down my six figure student loan debt, which I thankfully did, <laughs> but oh, I was good. billing time nonstop at this insurance defense firm. That's really where the billing started. So that was in like, yeah, like 2017 is when I started billing my time every, all day, every day. And then, of course, you launched subscription attorney in 2022. Is that right? Yeah. So after five years and a pandemic and part of those five years, I decided, you know, I'm, I had a kid. There had to be a better way. There had to be a way to capture um, those 30 second calls with clients. And I didn't feel I didn't feel ethical or comfortable billing them for six minutes when I answered the question in 30 seconds. Um, and also my involvement in the American Bar Association introduced me to the access to justice problem. All these other young lawyers have six figures of student loan debt. I saw the subscription model as a way to sort of solve all those problems if implemented the right way, but there wasn't a lot of information for it for law at the time. So I set out to learn and decided to start recording it as a podcast too. Awesome. And, and Matthew, you have the same disdain for the billable hour as we do. How, how'd that come about? Was that from your law firm days, bill and time? 
even before that, so when I was in law school, I was chair of the law student division for the ABA. So it's kind of like being president of America's law students, except it's just the accredited law schools. And um, and I was, uh, you go to a lot of conferences, I'm still involved with the ABA. And, uh, and the ABA president at the time, James Silkinet, he was talking about trying to uh, bridge that access to justice gap as all ABA presidents do. And he said, there's a problem in the world where uh, I, the ABA president, a lawyer at one of the, I think he's at, he was at Sullivan and Cromwell at the time, one of the oldest, largest law firms. He said, I can't afford my own billable hour. <laughs> I was thinking, well, something's broken with that system. And while I did not have to bill my time for another like three years, um, really, um, like that's really when it first dawned on me that this model is, just does not make any sense. And then what, got, what inspired you to get into subscription? Because that's even a, a different model than moving away just from the billable hour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know, sort of like you said on, on my podcast when, when I had you on, like it was gradually and then suddenly, right? Like it was a lot of, a lot of different things led to it. But, but I, think, I think what happened was, so I started a, um, I co-founded a legal tech company that you've never heard of because after exhibiting at ABA Tech Show some many years ago, um, we ultimately decided to close up shop because we didn't understand what we were doing. I was a baby attorney and we were going to take a percentage of a certain amount for how we were transacting for what solution we were trying to solve. But so many people told us that was, well, that was unethical fee splitting. And I still don't think it is that. But I mean, I understand why we get a lot of pushback and I just didn't want to fight that battle. And I was at an ABA conference of all things um, uh, related to legal education. Uh, and one of these other, like this other young attorney who had started his own company said, well, just do the subscription model. And I think that's the first time it was put in my head. And while we didn't end up adapting that company to the subscription model, because we already kind of built out the back end to take the percentage off the top. And we looked at it and we talked about it. We decided we were just going to sunset it. But I think that's what put it in my head the first time. Uh, Tian's book, books, certainly, um, when that came out, I downloaded that on Audible and I consumed it like two times in a row because um, it was just so fantastic and incredible and really opened my mind up to the subscription economy. And then just I was super into networking with entrepreneurs and learning about what they're doing. And they're all starting SaaS companies that are all on the subscription. And so I was just exposed to it everywhere. And I don't know the exact moment I said, aha, this is the subscription model is the solution. But all of that came together for me. Excellent. You know, your purpose, you say, is to help provide affordable access to legal advice for small business owners, freelancers, and everyday people. And I can tell just, you know, from listening to your show that you're very passionate about this. And um, we, we interview a doctor, he's a DPC doctor, as we discussed, uh, Dr. Paul Thomas, and he started Plum Health. He cites in his book on moving to subscription or starting a subscription, uh, the, the Japanese concept called um, Ikigai, mm -hmm. which is a reason for being. And that seems to be your reason to, for being is to give access to justice to people. Yeah, I mean, I um, I love Japanese culture and uh, and I'm familiar with the term, but I've never thought about it in terms of that way. But uh, but yeah, I, I I think so, and I, I think it's more of just helping people's helping people with their problems because even the whole concept of access to justice is okay. We're going to wait till people have a problem and then we're going to solve it. Well, we could stop it at the front end so they never have a problem in the first place. But that's the that's the parlance I use because that's what the legal profession knows, and I am trying to change the profession as a one man show. I know. I just, I love that idea of just like a family having an attorney. 
I, I just, or, and you know, like you say, you can handle contracts, you can handle, should I sign this Matthew or whatever it might be because you understand them. And I, I just think there's so many opportunities for this and that would really open up access to justice. And like you say, it would keep people out of court as well, because you can stave off problems before they get into them. I'm just trying to save taxpayers their dollars from keeping those courts running, you know, overloaded. That's really what I'm just trying to do, Ron. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I love that. I think it's a great reason for being, uh, if you will. Matthew, I knew this would happen. It's flying by, folks. I'd like to remind you, if you want to contact Ed or me, send us an email to asktsoe at barrisage.com. And do check out our Patreon channel where you can subscribe and get access to our bonus shows and other content that we put out. And that channel is subscribe or is uh, sponsored by 90 Minds. Be kind to your mind. Hire one. You can check out their work at 90minds.com. And now a word from our sponsors. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Ron, we talk a lot about business opportunities. Well, now a great one has become our sponsor. Bookskeepingfranchise.com. Bookskeeping with an X. That's right, Ed. If you are interested in becoming part of the $4.2 billion bookkeeping industry for a franchise fee of just under $20,000, visit www.bookskeepingfranchise.com. Bookskeeping comes with full training, plus marketing and technical support, and even staffing. Visit the website or call 855-935-2669. Franchise opportunity not available in all states. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are back on the Soul of Enterprise with Matthew Kerbis, the subscription attorney. And Matthew, I wanted to ask you, you were working at a firm and then made the transition to going to subscription attorney LLC. Did you have have customers with you? What, what, what was the what was the pivot like? 
So I had been growing a transactional book of business for years, even going back to um, that second firm that I mentioned is when I did my first real estate closing for just a, a relative who like was selling a house, right? And um, and of course, at the time, I had no idea just how much money my boss was making because uh, we had the relationship with the title company. So that commission I got, you know, in hindsight, I should have gotten a little bit more. But um, but then that introduced me to it. That's why he decided to teach me how to do that side of things, even though he hired me to do the foreclosure defense work. And that continued to grow and grow. And, and when I like go speak at high schools or colleges, and I try to, you know, tell the the students interested in pursuing a career in law, I said, like, just be nice to everybody you ever meet, like develop good relationships with people because it will come back to you. And like, you can learn how to turn those relationships into business, uh, which I did. And I, it also helps. I come from a long line of salespeople, but, um, but you know, like I had really just had one client guaranteed to leave, but that was enough to pay for the expenses to run the firm for the first year. And so I was very comfortable there. And then everything above that was you know, profit, you know, not like a full salaried profit, but, uh, but it was, uh, but I just had the one client for sure. But very quickly, I was signing up uh, a number of clients. And so tell us about your pricing model then. It's $19.99 a month. Is that a base price? Do you offer choices, choices, options? Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that just seems to be the easiest access point. That's why I've, I've changed the first page of my website many times. And now I, I've answered the question so many times, well, how much does it actually cost? And it, I mean, at an entry level, it's $20 a month and $50 a page. And, you know, I do the whole 1999, you know, thing on the website because that's what consumers are used to seeing. And frankly, I want them to know that like, yeah, they are getting a deal with me. You know, I am the target or Walmart pricing of legal services, which frankly just doesn't otherwise exist. So like I do that very intentionally. Um, so they know they have a different expectation. But yeah, $20 a month, they get access to me. They get access to my other suite of flat fee services, to growing knowledge base, which admittedly, like, I'm very busy to be adding to it all the time. I need to lean into generative AI to, to create more, more information there. But, um, but then the $50 a page is just, it's, it's easy to, to calculate. It's easy to understand. My clients love it. And it scales really well. Like if there's a three-page contract, my client doesn't mind paying 150 And then when I get, you know, two 15-page contracts, when a, a client is leaving one job and going to another job, I'm making some really decent money then. So, um, so that's, that's how most of my, um, like the vol volume-wise, that's most of what I'm doing is clients sign up at $20 a month. I do whatever flat fee service they want, $50 a page if the fee, if the, the, um, the service isn't specifically listed in, in my, my fee schedule on my website. And then, but the highest in terms of gross revenue, or like, like what's contributing uh, the most revenue that I'm making are the, the small business clients who are paying a significantly larger amount and I'm not counting pages for them. Okay. Okay. Because I was going to say, there's uh, n nobody sending you, okay, it's a 15-page document, but only sending you seven pages and saying, you don't need to look at the other eight. I, I, they, I get the question, Ed. I get the question for really? that all the time. And I, I have to, well, because these are people who have never hired a lawyer before and they don't understand, right? And we don't do a good job as a society teaching about the operating system of our society, which is the law. And so I explain context matters. Like that's barely just what I explained. Like context matters. I, you know, what it says on one page is going to even sometimes reference, you know, section 1A. Well, if I don't, if I can't read section 1A, how am I supposed to, you know, advise you on that? So, you know, but, but still at $50 a page, they know exactly what it's going to cost. So they have cost certainty, right, of, of what, what it will cost them. And, and my clients are very happy with knowing exactly what it's going to cost. Right. Well, you don't need that signature page at the end. That, you don't need to see that. That's not, uh, 
I don't charge for that. That's I mean, in, you know, if, if if it's half a page and the second half is a signature page, I will charge. But if it's a separate signature page or, the, you know, I, I don't I don't charge for that. I, right. I want my clients to say subscribe to me. I'm thinking about lifetime value, Ed. I, I know you are. And I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate with you because I can just just imagine that. But I'm glad that these are some of the questions that you that you do get, as a matter of fact, because I, yeah. I would imagine that you're going to have to deal with that. And we actually talked about this before we started recording because you came on and we do a Zoom call to to do these and you have a QR code that's on your background. Tell us about that and how that works. Yeah, so I um I, I think I was watching like uh, I was I was attending maybe or watching some live event for this week in startups or one of their like accelerator incubator programs and I saw all of their the people that actually worked for Inside or or whatever arm of Jason Calacanis's thing had like a nice customized background. And I asked one of them how they made it. And they were just like, we just made it using some editing software. And I, it might've been Canva. It might've been one of the other ones, but I was already subscribed to Canva. So I was like, great, let's make a Zoom background in Canva. So I've got my information on here. I've got the QR code there and the QR code just goes right to my website. But because I made the QR code in Canva as well, I was able to insert my little logo into it. And it's also on all my business cards, right? And so where it's most often used to my knowledge is clients, potential clients after they schedule a call with me, because it's really easy to just schedule a call with me on my, my website, just an intro call, not a free consultation because, hey, it's only $20 a month, you know, for legal advice. So, you know, you could pay the $20 if you want the legal advice, but it's not a, it's not a free consultation. It's just a call to get to know each other. And sometimes we're on, they're, they're on a computer, they're on like a, a laptop or something, but they do have their phone on them. So if they decide they want to sign up, they could just scan the QR code and write from their phone. It's a really easy onboarding process and they could sign up right from their phone. So it, it has been useful. So I highly recommend that people try it out. Tell me about your backend infrastructure too. So obviously you're using a lot of technology to handle those, those, those tools. And, but what's your, what's your process like for e easy on, easy off? Are you using a lot of bots in the background to get people into a system, that kind of stuff? Really good question. I actually maintain a spreadsheet that I call my subscription and then in parentheses tech stack because it's not necessarily all tech, but a lot of it is right because I even have on there and this is just good as a subscription business. Like I know what my monthly recurring revenue is and I know what my monthly recurring spend is on all my subscriptions that I'm subscribed to. So um, so that includes things on there like, you know, like Internet, like um, professional liability insurance, things like that. But I'm using all no code tools that integrate with each other. And I've only just started to use Zapier, although I know I could really supercharge my practice with Zapier. But right now I'm using Calendly, Adobe, Formula, Suite Dash, uh, Google Workspace, Google Voice, Card with two R's, .co for my website. Uh, and Suite Dash is my client portal. So I did mention Suite Dash. So I use the same domain, but a subdomain for that, for my actual client portal. Um, Google Workspace, I'm using Apple's iCloud for two terabytes of cloud storage. Canva, I mentioned, I'm using Descript. And then I'm using the sponsors of my podcast, 650 and Gavel, to also uh, power my practice. Okay. And you've, you said you've just begun to really integrate some of those into each other with Zapier. So that because that, we talked to a previous attorney, he said that was his like gold standard for that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am a small operation and I'm also like... I, I run a super slim business. It's not very expensive to operate my business annually. So like I don't necessarily need to, and I'm not trying to grow for the sake of growth, like say a SaaS company that's venture backed would. Um, but very like here and there, I'm finding ways that I could get out of having to do things on the back end and whatever I could do that. I mean, that's that's a huge win for me because I'm a true solo. I, I have no staff. 
And th that's the next question. Do you have a cap? Are you going to say, all right, I'm going to take on this number of customers and then that's it. I'm not going to have any more. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know, right? Because I really don't necessarily want to grow just for the sake of growth. I think I'm, I'm very open-minded to having to make that decision at the time. And because of the world we live in today, it's easier than ever to hire a fractional this or a fractional that. So I don't need to hire full-time to grow. There are platforms where you could hire freelance lawyers. That's where I sort of filled in the gaps as I was growing my own book of business after launching my law practice as I was on these platforms as a freelance attorney getting some extra work. And so I know that I could go there if I ever have overflow work and can at least then um, at that point in time decide whether or not it makes sense to hire full-time or if I could get away with just 1099ing or going through these freelance lawyer staffing firms and just be satisfied without having to have all the stress and worry about being an employer. How are you deciding what is your, and it's not really a scope of services, it's really but what, what, you, what you're covering and what you're not covering. I mean, I, I would assume, maybe I'm wrong, that somebody comes to you and says, uh, you know, I'm accused of murder. You're going to be like, mm, not for $20 a month. And yeah, $50 a page. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, I was just presenting on this to the Illinois State Bar Association Solo Small Firm Technology Conference just yesterday on the ethics of it and like the engagement agreements uh, that you have to have. And so my engagement agreement is publicly available on my website. Like I don't have like a, like here's like the button to go see it. But if you scroll onto my little disclaimer at the bottom, it says here's a link to my engagement agreement. And it says very clearly my engagement agreement, which I've tried to keep as simple as possible. I really ought to throw it through ChatGPT and say, simplify this, you know, so like at an eighth grade level. Um, but, um, but it says like, I can't help you with all areas of law. But what I will do is if I can't help you, I will try to find you an attorney or two that I could recommend that you can decide to hire. And also I don't warrant that they're actually going to be good or do a good job and all the legalese that needs to go in that type of a recommendation. Uh, but I make it very clear there. And in the onboarding call or when I'm talking to my clients, you know, I say, you know, I'm going to do what I can to help you. Uh, but the reality is that is like, most people who hire me have um, like inch deep legal problems. So I'm doing mile wide, like inch deep stuff. And these are things most people could probably DIY, right? Like they'll, they could figure it out themselves, but it's going to take them many hours and they might get it wrong. And so $20 a month and $50 a page, well, now it's a no brainer for them to outsource it to me. I even recently bought the domain. It was available to offloadlegal.com. And I'm even thinking I might maybe doing a rebranding or something about like, just offload your legal to me. Cause that's, that seems to be what I tend to tell people. And that seems to be the, like my, what my forever promise is. So, so true, because there's these little things that come up that you think, oh, I don't want to get an attorney involved, so I'll just kind of wing it, maybe DYI, and that's not, not necessarily the best thing for a lot of folks. Yeah. So uh, what, 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 what is your uh, plan for the future? Are you looking to possibly expand to have more than one, or are you would definitely just, just want to be a solo? Well, you know, I, this is where the podcast comes in, and the podcast really came first before I decided to, to start my own law firm. And, um, and the podcast is trying to inspire other attorneys and I do CLEs and I do the circuit for speaking at conferences to try to get more attorneys to do it too. And then that really helps me just refer it out to like these other law firms and like maybe in the future, there's gonna be like a, like a franchise model or something where like we're all able to, it could be like a one subscription price and then we're able to, you know, the, the, the client can pick among which law firm and which specialty like needs the, the services, right? So maybe that's where it's going, but either way, I am just trying to inspire more lawyers to do it on their own and empower the solo attorney because it's, it's much better. Working for lawyers is not fun. 
Any any associate or staff person will tell you that. So I don't want to you know create that have to worry about being an employer in that environment. But also let's get people out of that environment. And by the way, fractional paralegals are a thing. There are companies for that you could hire a fractional paralegal. And I think the paralegals and the solo attorneys are going to be a heck of a lot happier doing that. Well, this is great. And as always flying by, but we want to remind our listeners that they can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. We do have our Patreon channel out there available at patreon.com slash TSOE. There you can listen to the show commercial free as well as our bonus episodes that we put out weekly. That Patreon channel is sponsored by 90 Minds. Find a mind at 90minds.com. But now, a word from our sponsors. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking to the subscription attorney, Matthew Kurvis. And Matthew, um, you know, this is uh, what I love about this subscription model is it's relational. It's not transactional. And like you said, we're, we're not looking at the math of the moment anymore. We're trying to build customer lifetime value. And since you've been involved, I mean, you've done billable hour, you did some flat fee. I know you've talked to tons of attorneys that bill hours and keep timesheets and all that. What have been your main lessons operating with a subscription model that you've learned it it, it is it's hard to boil it all down but individually like just looking internally when i was building time and i was really in that mindset i mean i would hang up after talking to my dad and be like okay that was point three like that's the opportunity cost of me having relationships with people in my life who matter to me when i'm building my time when that's the value right? It's just my time. 
And so not having to do that and like being able to spend extra time with my family and talking and not worrying about it because I like literally make money in my sleep because a lot of clients decide to sign up at night because I make it really easy for them to do that. Uh, and, and so like I'm making money in my sleep is when like the dollars are coming in. And as long as I continue to provide value to them and they have a good reason to stay subscribed, then then I, I don't have to worry about that. Uh, just in terms of like contributing um, and like helping clients, right? Like they're not afraid to call me. Like that is like the number one thing is whenever you're charging by the hour, clients are not sure if they're gonna call you. And, and that that is a through line with so many attorneys who independently came to the idea of the subscription model was like, I, like Jess Birkin comes to mind. She's like, I was getting together with an old friend who had been a client and I wanted to get lunch with her. And she asked me, uh, you know, is this, are we gonna be on the clock? And that's one of the reasons she decided to said she had to stop billing her time and she eventually came to the subscription model. So like you're actually able to develop these relationships and clients will use you, but they also won't abuse you because frankly, they have more important things to do. They need to make money in their business or they wanna spend time with their family. Uh, and, and so lawyers are worried, like they're gonna call you all day every day, but no, it just, it just, it doesn't happen that way. And, and that's probably the one of the biggest objections you get, right? When you speak publicly to other attorneys, how do you deal with the abusive client? Or they're going to ask me to do everything. How, how do you handle those objections from your colleagues? Yeah, I, we, we just had this conversation yesterday with a couple of family law attorneys who are thinking about using the subscription model. And in that, they said, well, your clients do call you all the time, even though you're billing by the hour because they want to talk about this and they want to talk about that. And you're making a lot of money doing that, but it's also not necessarily good for them. And you're not really providing them value. We're counselors, but we're not that kind of counselor. And so what I suggested to them is something that they should be doing no matter what anyway, whether they're billing time or not. And that is use a system like Calendly or Acuity or Microsoft Bookings, Google Appointments, where like they get to, because this is how my subscription works, they get access to schedule 15 minute calls with me at a time. And when that time is up, that time is up. If you wanna schedule uh, more time, you could schedule more time, but usually they're coming to you with a problem. Like that $20 a month is more like they're paying me for me to market to them because they come to me with their problems. And and so like, that's how they have to start thinking about it. But if you just let them schedule time to talk to you, because also, by the way, number one complaint from clients about lawyers is I can't get a hold of my lawyer. Well, now they can because you're using modern technology for your clients to schedule time to talk to you. And I, I'm just doing it the way I'm doing it. You could certainly say you could schedule 30 minute consultations or hour long consultations if you pay you know, a premium a month. Right. So like there are many ways that you could play with this, but I'm targeting the latent legal market. And so I could only charge so much for that. But lawyers could take my exact approach and turn it into a premium version where they're charging premium prices. Now, I think legal services are largely fungible. That's just my opinion. But, you know, so I don't know necessarily how you distinguish that, like that premium beyond just more time or more other things. But there are people who want to, you know, buy, uh, you know, from Neiman Marcus instead of Target. So they'll want to hire that equivalent lawyer, but they want predictability. And so I think that that is, that there's huge opportunity there. Yeah, I, I think the access the peace of mind that can be, the, the fact that I know that you're there if I need you and you, you're gonna have my back and the convenience, you're saving me time, you're saving me transaction costs. I think people in today's world will pay a, a, a massive premium for that, especially business customers. A absolutely, and um, and when you're, when you're 
like set the expectation in the beginning of the relationship with your client, whether that's in your engagement agreement, and it should be, but even if it is, you don't know that your client read it, so that has to be verbally communicated to them too. You know, this is how I operate. Now you're a subscriber, you're a member of my law firm now, and now you get this, you schedule these calls and you're gonna get me. You are going to get me but that's how much time we have to talk about something. Because even when you're not billing your time, your time is still valuable. You're just not assigning a dollar amount to it. So you want to control your time, but how much money you make is not based on your time anymore. Right, we've disengaged that with this model as well. Yeah, it's uh, the other thing that Ed and I love to talk about is this I, Walt Disney's idea of plussing, mm -hmm. you know, constantly innovating or adding things to your offering to delight and surprise the customer. What, what are some of your future plans to, to plus things for your customers? I mean, I, I kind of just started with everything. So we have this concept that many uh, jurisdictions allow now called unbundling of legal services. So it used to be you hired a lawyer and it was all in, all or nothing. Like they do all your legal work. They do negotiations. They do this. They do that. They do all of it. So I've unbundled everything, unraveled it completely. And, you know, on my website, I, I sort of allow my clients to bundle it back in together. And so like I even unbundle negotiations. That's another $200 a month. The, it's, it turns out that landlords really like that package because now whenever there's a dispute, like I'm, I don't substitute for a property manager, but whenever there's a legal dispute around say payments are not due or they need to get a payment plan set up and negotiated and a, a settlement signed, you know, for that payment plan, like that's something I could handle and negotiate and communicate with the tenant with. And $200 a month isn't a lot with only one client, but when you've got 10, 20 clients signed up for that and you're incentivized to just get things solved for your clients, it ends up being a lot of money and good money, even at that low level. And so I've already kind of got the ability for clients to do subscription add-ons or additional add-ons to if they want to increase the services that they're receiving from me, they can do that. But it's circumstantial. So I, you know, easy on, easy off. I negotiated that thing for you. Well, now we'll take it off. If you have literally nothing else to negotiate for the next several months, let's turn it off. And then we could turn it back on in the future because a happy client is going to stay subscribed. And so you want them to be able to take it on and off easily. Like I know Peloton locks people in, you know, when they're going on vacation away from their Peloton. I mean, terrible customer service, right? So like, and the same thing is true of unsubscribing and resubscribing. You've got to make it easy, make it onboarding pro should be easy and, and comfortable and nice so that when they come back to you and they will, because they, they still think of me as their lawyer when my clients unsubscribe because they were used to that relationship and because I got to know them and they got to know me. So even when they unsubscribe, they still think of, of Matthew Kerbis as their lawyer. And whenever something comes up, I've had it happen many times now over the last 18 months, they resubscribe. And now we're back in business. And I automate all that. So now I never have to worry about it. And then when they're back, they're back. I think that can't, making the cancel button is prominent and, you know, with every touch point is so counterintuitive. People don't seem to understand that if you make it easy for customers to exit, you're actually kind of psychologically locking them in. It, it, it's really interesting human psychology, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know that. Like I did used to, what, what I used to do is if they were at, if they were above the $20 a month, so if they were at $100 or more a month, I would first, um, I used to make it, they just email me, request it, no problem, you're out. But I'd say, hey, you know, you could always go down to $20 a month. That way you could still access me in 50-minute increments at a shorter, you know, time availability. But that way, if anything comes up, I'm available. And I did that. But frankly, that's also time consuming. I have more important things to do. These people want to unsubscribe anyway. Like I'm, I'm wasting my time uh, trying to keep them there. 
And so I just found this was before the FTC, uh, you know, came down <laughs> hard on Amazon and and said, you know, you can't hide the unsubscribe button or make it hard to unsubscribe. Uh, and I just sort of discovered that, like, they like being able to unsubscribe and resubscribe. Give them the the power to do that, and then they're they like. They think like, well, wow, he's so confident. He's just going to let me unsubscribe month to month. So that is also now on the front page of my website. It's really month to month. That's every potential client asks me, is it really month to month? It's really month to month, right? You just want that simple estate plan, sign up for $20. You'll get your simple estate plan and you're off. It's still $420 I wouldn't have made anyway, right? So I might as well capture that because they're going to pay that money to somebody. And then when they need something else, if I did a good job, they got what they wanted and they got it fast and easy because it's all automated then uh, then they're going to come back for something else or recommend me, right? And so, like, just, just try to make the relationship as good as possible. And it does. The un- easy unsubscribe, easy unsubscribe. You know, when COVID hit, there's a there's a, a chain of barbershops. I think it's down in Arizona. And they got right out in front of COVID when the lockdowns came. They said, look, we understand if you need to cancel, if you need to pause, you can pause. Or you can take some of your subscription and donate it to your stylist. And... I bet you a lot of people did that. It, it just it, it gives you so much flexibility to deal with things like COVID or a recession or or whatever. But boy, when you give people that flexibility to leave, they tend to stick around. It's because nobody likes to be locked into a contract with Verizon or whatever. As, as a parent of an almost three-year-old, nobody likes to be told what to do, even from when we're very little. And, and so often you have to, like, especially with the little ones, you have to, you know, you have to choose your words very carefully. And like, and how you, you know, if you want somebody to do something or not to do something, it's human nature to not want to do it if you're forced to do something or want to be able to do the opposite. So by giving them the freedom to have their own autonomy, to choose what they want to do in their relationship with you, yeah, people people respond really well to that. And when you're not looking at clients, this is the other thing. Clients, uh, attorneys look at clients as we get one bite at the apple with this client and we're going to make a lot of money at this one bite at the apple. We're going to take a huge bite and it's going to be juicy. And then they, they don't, so they don't, they're not thinking long term like that. But when you have this relationship with your clients because they're subscribed to you, they're members, uh, you know, now, you know, you're thinking about how to keep them happy for a long time. And you might make many multiples over the course of 30 years from that client than what you would have made in that, you know, one to two year time frame. Right, right. I know the, uh, the auditors used to have this thing known as a bee sting. Like you sting them once and then you're you're dead. You know, you'll never do any work for them again, like in an M&A or something. And I just uh, I've always been repulsed by that attitude. Um, another topic you always like to bring up, Matthew, on your show is the people that are doing these alternative models. I saw it too, people moving away from billable hour. Now, maybe it, it's changed since I, I was really deep into the legal sector, but you tend to think that a lot of women are more innovative moving to alternative models from the billable hour because like you were saying with talking to your dad, it's so repressive. It bifurcates your life. You're either billable or you're not. And if you're not billable, we want you to feel guilty about it. Right. So do you, is that is that really what's going on? That they're, they're trying to escape the old repressive, you know, we sell time business model? Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't want to put anyone in a box and there's always exceptions to the rules. And I also don't want to stereotype with regard to genders. But I do think biologically speaking and from my own personal experience, women tend to have much more EQ than men. 
Um, they're just much more emotionally intelligent. And, um, and they also have a lot of burdens on them unfairly placed by society. And even though, even in the modern world where if, and if you live in a relatively liberal area where women can do what they want, have careers, do all these things, they still feel that pressure and it's not fair. And so in light of all of that, they just, they seem to be the ones who have the courage to say, screw it. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go do this thing and I'm going to do it in a way that makes sense for me, for my family and for my clients. And, and so really like when I was first learning, it was, it was, I was looking at all these things that these women were doing and, um, and it's proven true. I mean, there are far more women and attorneys of color who have innovated on the, on the alternative fees than, um, than white men. Yeah. That's really interesting. I used to joke that value pricing was the Smith and Wesson for the it equalizes the sexes because it's not it's not based on inputs it's based on outputs right and if you're really sharp you can you can be valuable even with your time being a lot less so well maddie this is great ed's going to take you the rest of the way home but thank you so much for coming on this was a great discussion um really enjoyed getting to know you and being on your show and hopefully we'll have you back at some point and folks i'd like to remind you if you want to contact me or ed send us an email to ask tsoe at verisage.com. I would love to give a shout out to Mark Andy because Mark Andy over at cfobookshelf.com just did a wonderful podcast with Herman Simon on his book, True Profit. Herman Simon is a pricing expert, really well worth listening to. And now a word from our sponsors and Ed's employer, Sage. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. At Voice America TRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise welcome back to the soul of enterprise we have with us today the podcast host and producer of law subscribe and also the founding attorney of subscription attorney.com matthew kerbis and matthew 
Um, we started talking about this on a break, but I want to have this conversation on the air with you. And that is, uh, and you gave me a great term for it, subscription arbitrage. The idea that general practitioners such as yourself and Dr. Paul, uh, who we, we've talked to as well, might get to the point one day where what they can do is they can then subscribe to the specialists and then therefore their customers or members or subscribers. And by the way, what do you call them? What do you call your people? I wanted to ask you that too. Members, I, subscribers? I do just call them subscribers, but I, I know I've got to work on that. Oh, I am the subscription attorney, so you yeah, know, it's so right there. there. No, I think that's great. And then through your the subscription to you, they would get ancillary be- benefits. You called it subscription arbitrage, and in a way, you're do- already doing it today. So tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, one of my sponsors of my p- podcast, 650, is a phenomenal tool. They mostly market to in-house teams because you're, they, they're a, an employment um, and, um, and business law document database and automation platform. And, uh, and so it helps in-house teams just be more efficient because, of course, in-house teams aren't billing their time. And it's hard to sell this kind of technology to billable hour firms. So that's their primary market. But uh, my clients who – like my business clients who are smaller, um, smaller, comp- smaller owners of companies – they um they would never pay for the cost of this tool because also frankly like they're not going to be using all the stuff that's in there, but now they could get access to that tool through me by subscribing to me, and so this is also something that I have talked about on my podcast because I I think it's a phenomenal tool and I think it's one of the ways you could leverage the subscription model and bring more value to your clients right and and the same thing is true of uh, frankly my subscription to Adobe uh, because I use that as an e-signature tool so any of my business level subscribers or my if they're on the negotiation package uh, I will send all the contracts via e-sign for them so now they don't need to subscribe to an e-signature platform because they're subscribing to me so I'm doing it in that way too very neat. Yeah. Lo- love that idea because I think that that opens up a whole nother level, whole nother world for this. An- another thing I like to offer, which is not something I like, I don't know if I've ever said this on a podcast or anything before, but but I will tell some clients sometimes, especially the, the entrepreneurial ones, that when you're subscribed to me, even at $20 a month, we have an attorney-client privilege. And if I were to violate that privilege, um, I could lose my law license. It's going to be, that's more secure than any NDA than you'll sign with anyone when you want to talk about your unique idea. So I'm not only your legal counsel, but I'm a strategic partner in you growing your business that you could bounce ideas off of me. And, you know, we'll make sure that there's something legal related to that because there always is that the, that the conversation is considered privileged. But like, I'm also like a, you know, like a business partner in a way like that they can, they, and it really just helps them grow their business, which helps me because then they grow, they stay subscribe they go up a subscription level and so like it's just a virtuous cycle are you still encountering attorneys who say this can't be done even though you're actually doing it Uh, more and more often now i am encountering attorneys that are saying this is genius and i can't believe i didn't think of it myself and i also just met some attorneys that are like i've been doing subscriptions for 20 years i just never called it that right (laughs) so like you know it's just but but when you start thinking about it in that way and your relationships with your clients will totally change and the way you design your business will totally change when you start thinking in terms of like the membership economy isn't it amazing how sometimes just the pivot in a word can have such a deep impact on somebody's thinking about something. It's really incredible. Yeah, the power of language is really something. So speaking of the power of language, you, you uh, and I, I have never heard this, this term before you in your conversation with Ron, you said you were an extern. I've only heard intern. What's the difference between an extern and an intern? Uh, in externship, you get class credit. 
Ah, so, okay. Yeah. That's, that's that new to me. I did not know. I did go. not know that anything is such a thing existed. And usually, uh, when people say that, they say, "I've never heard of the term multi potentialite before." So I thought that's where you were going with it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 have heard, I have heard that one. I never heard extern though. Yeah. So, and it's it's a six digit word. Otherwise, I'd be put it in my Wordle file too. But mm-hmm. um, we'll keep keep it out. Uh, you also list on your LinkedIn profile that. You were a shift supervisor at Starbucks. So I've got to ask a couple of questions about that. One, why do you continue to list it? And tell me about that experience. Yeah, yeah. So when I graduated from college a semester early and I didn't have like credits going into college, but philosophy, it's really easy to graduate early. <laughs> There's not a lot of requirements to be a philosophy major. And so um, so I decided to save my parents some money. I'm very fortunate. I had to take out student loans for law school, but I won the parent lottery. I got to go to college on, on their dime, but I decided, you know, I've had fun. Like I'll just graduate a semester early. I, at the time I knew I wanted to go to law school. So I was looking for jobs at law firms, but like who's hiring like a kid as a clerk fresh out of college and I'm living with my parents in Buffalo Grove, Illinois. So like, you know, like there's not a lot of law firms there. They're all in the city. So I was like, you know what, whatever. I'll just, um, you know, I, I was always a leader. I was leader of my fraternity. I was a leader of, I founded organizations on my campus and I continue to be a leader today. So I was like, I, I'll be a shift supervisor at Starbucks. Why not? I could do that. And um, anyway, long story short, I still use those skills today because happy wife, happy life. And I make my wife a cappuccino. I call it an alley chino because it's a cappuccino to her liking every single day. And so I'm using those skills still today that I learned at Starbucks. I'm still a barista every single day. We have a nice, you know, like a mid-range, like low mid-range, you know, espresso machine at home. And uh, and we make fresh uh, craft beverages at home every day. I'm still using those skills. And it's good to have humble beginnings. And when you're the subscription attorney who's really affordable, it's good to show people you've worked in service too. I'm, I'm just curious. What was your experience like working for Starbucks, the company? Oh, uh, it, you know, uh, well, we, Ron and I talked about this briefly on my podcast. They don't call people employees there. They call them partners. Everyone's a partner. And it is, uh, it is an extremely well-run company. I, I mean, like kudos to, uh, to Howard Schultz for what he started there. And I mean, really like I, I have, I have really nothing bad to say about it. It was a great experience. One of the things that I, that I found interesting, and you've seen this wax and wane, Ron and I have actually talked about this on multiple occasions, uh, and that is that at, at some point, sometimes you are your drink order and sometimes you are your name. Like they'll say, you know, they'll just call out the drink or sometimes they'll say Ed's drink or whatever it is. Do you know what's the, going on with that? Just I was just curious if that, has that been a sit that was ever a thing? I mean, I mean, it was 2011 that I last worked there, so it's been a really long time. But I'll tell you what, most people just order on the app these days, and you just look for your name on the on the treat <laughs> or the cup. So, you know, it's becoming, it's going the way of the dinosaurs, Ed. I will say this. The thing I wanted to t- tie back, though, and you made, made a great point, is, is this whole notion of language and the fact that they call them partners there. That is what makes, makes the difference. So folks out there, just concentrate on that importance of language as you're moving through your business, whether you're adopting subscription model or not, language is such an important thing. Well, Matthew, so, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and experience with uh, our audience. And Ron, what do we got coming up next week? Next week, Ed, we're going to do one thing, part three. These are entries from our one thing journal. So ideas, quotes that we that had a big impact on us. So all right. Uh, and we've already recorded it. So the Patreon people have already listened to it. So yeah, sure they have. Well, I'll, I'll see you in 167 hours plus really a week. Excellent.
This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy. Sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at noon Pacific time. In the meantime, check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com. We'll have full show notes on our interview today with Matthew. And also, you can contact Ed or me at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.